Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you've done everyone and welcome. We're so happy that you're with us here this evening and welcome to those who will be listening later on. On behalf of NASCA and the, the SCAN Stop Child Abuse Now radio show, we are, um, my name is Kim Lakin and my beautiful co-host Penelope is here with me this evening and um, we're excited to have you, like I said. And um, we have a a really special guest this evening, and I'm going to introduce him here in just a bit. But first, we got to take care of the business. Um, this evening, we are on scan number 3113. And um, at NASCA, we have a single purpose, and that is to address issues that are related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violence or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with two goals. One, by educating the public, especially as it's related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, also known as CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. And two, by offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And you can either call our guest line. We'd love to have you be a part of our studio and our panel this evening. Um, that number is 646-595-2118. And you can also go to nasca.org. That's N-A-A-S-C-A dot org and um, listen to any of the past um, radio shows that we've had on here and our past um, visitors. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm getting all tongue-tied, so I probably just got to go to introduce our guest, um, our special guest this evening. His name is John, and I didn't confirm his last name, so I'm not even going to try it. But he is from Univista, Colorado. And I am from, I'm in Colorado as well, John. Hi, nice to meet you. We're neighbors. His third book, It's Not About the Predator, is a practical 30-page guide, Dangers of Online Predators. 
is so needed. The previous work, it's not about this text, features true stories of human trafficking so that ordinary citizens will become more aware about how this problem occurs under the radar, radar and in our society. John is a critically acclaimed author, speaker, and anti-human trafficking advocate. He wrote these books because he believes that human trafficking is one of the most underreported issues of our day that cuts across all economic, social, racial, and political boundaries. He focuses on stories from rural suburban America, seeking to shine a light on the, and create awareness of the evils of human trafficking. These stories of human trafficking profile different perspectives. A law enforcement officer, an advocate, a survivor, and a blossom, madam. So I'm going to stop there. There's a little bit more here, but I'm going to just let um, John, we're going to go ahead and bring him on and let him tell the rest of his story. So John, we have you on and welcome to the show. Hi, Kim. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. Glad that you're here. So it sounds like you are a busy author. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I, I look at this book about the predator um, and the parent's guide to safety. It's kind of a follow-up book from human trafficking. And when I was writing that book and I was doing a lot of research, talking to people, and what I discovered was that the predator tactics that lead to human trafficking, they're very similar. There's a lot of overlap on those same predator tactics that lead to things like sextortion, child pornography, which then can lead to you know, cyberbullying, depression, addiction, et cetera. And so all these other bad outcomes can happen and I saw a lot of that overlap, and I was doing some speaking about it, and I just decided to create this 30-page booklet, kind of doing the research for the parents and saying, this is what I've discovered, and just kind of laying it out there to kind of help explain how these predators work and what a parent can do. That's awesome. I mean, I know that we need we need more awareness there. We can never get too much awareness. I think, I don't think at this point in doing that, is there a specific reason why you started doing this? Is it a personal reason or is it, do you mind me asking that? Uh, no. It, yeah, I, I don't mind. Um, if there really wasn't um, like a particular person that, that I wanted to, to write this for or, or something like that, but I kept getting questions about it when I was having some speaking engagement about human trafficking. And I had parents ask me, well, what do I do? And what about if they want something else besides human trafficking? And, and so I really kind of did a, kind of got into the research of what, what these predators do. And what I found is that there's really three things that uh, that these predators want to do. They either want to get more explicit content from somebody, they want to extort money, or they want to meet for some kind of sexual encounter. And, and those are kind of the three things that I see that 
that these guys are out there. And a lot of times it could be two out of the three or three out of the three. And, um, and I just really wanted to get in front of parents, get in front of, um, you know, as wide an audience as possible to let people know that they've really got to be diligent and, you know, give examples of how the predators operate so you can understand what they're doing so you can then take action to, to try to protect your kid or your teen. Well, yeah, I mean, it is such a scary thing for me to think about. I have grown kids now, but now I have six grandchildren who, um, you know, I think the two-year-old is the second to youngest, <laughs> definitely knows more about it than the computer than I do at times. And so, um, yeah, do you think that kids are more likely to be approached on the Internet than they are out on the street of someone else in, as far as trafficking goes? Well, I, yeah, I do. I, I think that, um, you know, technology is definitely the predator's friend. You know, when I was, uh, when I was growing up, um, stranger danger was, you know, not talking to some strange person at, at a park who's got a puppy or something like that. And, you know, in today's world, you would not let your 10-year-old wander the the local mall and talk to 20 strangers. So why would you let them go and wander the internet and talk to 20 strangers online? And so the problem of course, is that when somebody's online, you have no idea who they are. It's very easy to set up a fake profile. They could be next door or, you know, in another continent halfway across the world. And, and you just have no idea. And, you know, in the old days, like when my kids were young, uh, cell phones were just, were just coming out. Smartphones were just, you know, starting to get popular. And only high school kids really, really kind of had those types of devices. Now the average kindergartner, you know, as you said, you know, they could have an iPad, a phone, access to a laptop. They're, they're online a lot more than the generation before them. And that's, that's what's so different compared to uh, prior generations or even a decade ago. Yeah. And as you said, we wouldn't let our kids wander the malls anymore like we used to do when we were younger um, and, and talk to all those strangers because we know it's not safe. But, but yes, that's an easy way. And I even see it in my my own kids at times, you know, it's an easy way to babysit. You know, give them a little, a little iPad and keep them busy for a while. So, well, you know, well, I right, you know, yeah, I mean, when I was uh, a parent and, and maybe in a rush or whatever, you'd stick a movie in the TV, in the DVD or VCR, and the kids would watch that. But today, when you do that, there's there's somebody behind that, you know, even if they have an Xbox or they're playing a kid's game, those kids games may be very age appropriate, but they have chat rooms, they have private messaging and you have no idea who's behind that. And that's what's different is that if they're online, it's not just watching a movie because they can easily, you know, kind of wander into any kind of website, 
any kind of chat room. You know, staysafe.org estimates there's 750,000 predators online. And so it's just a matter of time before your kid runs across that one of them uh, if they're online long enough. Very seventy thousand. Oh, yeah, that does make you think. Um, I know that Penelope welcomed you on the back line, and I know that she's still here. So I would love to, to just bring her on, if it's okay with you, and see if she had anything that she wanted to add to this conversation. Is that okay? Yes. Well, thank you. you well, thank you, Kim. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Kim. I, I hopefully you guys can hear me. So, first of all, Johnny, you know, thank you, God. Thank you for all the work that you do, because you know, you, your books, your efforts are making this world a better place, a safer place. And sometimes I think, you know, we just need to remind ourselves of that because it can be really overwhelming. You know, when uh, we realize that, you know. We're powerless to the internet at times. I feel this sense of powerlessness um, because you know the stranger danger that that I was warned of when I was a young girl was someone in a car, right? Was um, no no one online. I mean, online didn't exist, so I'm aging myself now. Um, so it's so hard to wrap as a parent, and I'm a parent of three sons now, all in college. Wrap your arms around it um, when your child becomes connected to the internet and a lot of schools now starting in middle school you know these kids have to go online for everything um right to check their assignments to submit their assignments so that's what i mean by it's overwhelming so you know as you're talking about it and i'm, I'm thinking about you know how it you know affects how it affects my own um day-to-day um concerns and my life um and then more broadly, just children and our children in general. Um, the other side of the coin is, and this is my question, you know, when you think about this, the fact that you mentioned there's 750,000 predators online, um, that's a lot. And I feel that even in my own experience of having an email account, I get so much junk mail. You know, the more you do anything on the Internet, you know, they grab your email address and you get a lot of junk mail. And I, what I notice is, even for myself, it's hard to be totally on the ball, Johnny on the spot. No pun intended by me saying Johnny on the spot, but because um, you are John. But you know, all the time, to you really vet, you know, everything that's coming at me in terms of the, the correspondence, you know. And sometimes these, you know, emails that have been reported as junk or the object sneak into your inbox. And I find myself almost becoming um, com- a little complacent with it. And so, you know, how do we, you know, in terms of um, not only for our own personal safety, um, but for our children, you know, how do we stay on it? You know, do you have any tips on how, how do we, maybe this is, you know, in your book, but how do, how do we really keep our eyes fresh and on alert appropriately so that we can monitor this, you know, um, and to the point where it's benefiting our, you know, benefits us and it benefits our kids. You know, we're doing activity with purpose. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. And and I've got several tips that are in the book, and, and I'd like to just kind of go over them. Uh, 
you know, the first thing to do is to kind of be, and I alluded to it before, is, is kind of being aware of this, this generation. And it's like no other generation as far as spending that much time online and a lot of that time with online strangers. And teens have a, have, have a goal of having a thousand friends and a parent like myself, I would see that as a problem, not as something to achieve. And if you talk to a popular teenager, they may have 5,000 friends or followers on their social media account. And so I can guarantee you, if you've got 1,000 friends as a teenager, you do not know all of them, and some of them are out there for nefarious purposes. And Wi-Fi is the great equalizer, so it doesn't matter whether you are in a small town, in a big city, whether you're rich, poor, black, white, whatever, if you're online, you are visible to everybody, which means that you can be susceptible to being targeted. And you were talking a little bit about getting emails, and it's, you know, you, you get the email of, of somebody says, you, you know, your PayPal account is locked or your Amazon account is locked, and it turned out to be some kind of spoof email trying to maybe get your password and that's bad enough as it is but when they target teens what they're trying to do is they're trying to stroke that teen's ego and the way the teen brain thinks today is they want to have a lot of likes they want to have a lot of followers and they want that dopamine hit if you will if you talk to the psychologist they'll talk about internet addiction, social media addiction, as, as kind of one of the fastest growing problems that they see with, with teenagers today. So they're, they're going to respond to somebody who is kind of feeding that ego or trying to figure out what does this teenager need? Do they need affirmation? Are they lonely? Are they, you know, you know feeling awkward, et cetera? And that predator is going to try to feed that. So So the first piece is kind of understanding that they're online all the time and that's just so different from the way that I grew up, you know, and, and my, even my, my kids grew up when the internet was just kind of young and, and you, they did it to maybe research something for a school paper. So, so I think that's the first thing and I'll kind of pause to see if you have a comment about that. Yeah, you know, that kind of, that really does blow me away. I mean, in terms of the way you presented in that in, in that uh with that description of inter how important it is keeping up with the Joneses for these kids to have as many friends, as many likes, as many views. Um and I I'm a little bit of a novice in this because I just I do as little social media as I possibly can. Um but that's not it, you know, when you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, um, and I mean 5,000 friends, I mean, do I even have, have I ever made 5,000 friends across my life, you know, during my lifetime? I have, no, you know, I don't know. That's a lot of friends, like you said. That's the point, right? It's so, you don't know all of these friends intimately. You just don't, especially young kids with 5,000 friends. Well, exactly. And And have you ever, you know, heard a teenager say, well, I didn't get that many likes or, no one's looked at my Snapchat story or something like that. And um, yeah. there was a guy in a movie called uh, The Social Dilemma. It was a former Facebook um, 
vice president, and he was talking about how uh, especially teenagers, you know, they get these short-term signals, he called them, the hearts, the likes, the thumbs up, et cetera, and they're viewing that as their own self-esteem. That's kind of how they're calculating their own value, and of course, it's so quick before you need that next like, heart, et cetera, and, and it forces you into this vicious cycle of what's the next thing that I need to do now, and if you're a predator, you're going to, you know, you're going to feed that. You're, you're going to talk about how, um, you know, how uh, somebody, if they need something, that, you know, they're going to say that they're wonderful or they're beautiful or whatever and, and just try to get that, that connection. One of the things that, that the predator does, the predator playbook they first want to start getting that information. And the second thing they want to do is they want to gain that trust, whether that's setting up a friendship or setting up a romance. And that's kind of that whole teen mindset. And with the pandemic that we've just gone through the last two and a half years or so, well, what did it do? It, it, kids got out of school for a while. They did more online activity. They didn't have social interaction with each other. So they went to look for that social interaction online and you know if you you're right if you've got thousands of friends i guarantee you they you don't know them personally and as a parent that's the probably the first question to ask is who are these people that you actually know and 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 who do you not know right exactly and in a day, and I know we have other other panelists that probably want to ask you questions or have some comments as well, but I mean, in the day, like my parents, you know, normally parents, you know, responsible parents wouldn't even allow their children to go, you know, have a sleepover, you know, unless they knew or they knew, you know, Susie down the street parents and they knew that they were, it was a relatively safe environment. You know, there was some context, I guess is the word, is the word I'm looking for. And there was just, there was, some due diligence on the parents' part as well. And it's really hard to have that due diligence when you're, you know, you don't know any of these kids or their, or their parents. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of things that, that I recommend to parents is, is first thing is you, you do want to have that open line of communication with your kids. You want to have that conversation about what predators do, what they can do, what to look out for. And you want to have that conversation all the time, not just when they're 8 or 10, but when they're 13, 15, 17. And you can have that conversation, but you also need to do other things, such as from a technology standpoint, you as the parent should be the only one approving any programs or applications that are downloaded on your kid's phone. And you control that password. You can, you can get different uh, applications like um, uh, Ask to Buy for iPhones, so that way that person can't um, download something without your knowledge of it. And there are parental control applications like Bark and Canopy that will kind of help, but as a parent you can't let, you know, just install that and then say, okay, I'm done. You, you have to constantly monitor what they're doing and every single game, every single application has chat rooms and private messaging. That's where all this stuff generally happens. So you have to constantly monitor that. And I've got a whole section about 
you know, kind of circumvention. But just to give you an example, Snapchat is very popular for, uh, for young people. Everyone's got it. And you might be thinking, you're a diligent parent. I'm reviewing Snapchat stories, stuff like that. But did you know that Snapchat has a secret hidden folder called My Eyes Only? And that's exactly what it is. It's secret. It's hidden. That's how they advertise it. And so if you as a parent aren't aware of that, then you don't even know to check that. And that's where, you know, part of that monitoring process comes in. And if you don't know some of these circumvention things that happen, then you could, you could be getting that false sense of security. Yeah. There's, uh, being a parent these days and monitoring that just seems like more than a full-time job. But we got we to gotta do it. we got to be committed. A- absolutely. I was going to say – my... Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, it, it seems like it'd be a lot. I mean, I think for – just thinking about my girls, for instance, who have three kids apiece, to sit and monitor that all the time. Because I know they don't. And I – I know that they use it as babysitter, like I said before. That's, that is a lot of work. It's <laughs> a lot to think about. But you're right, technology, we do need to. And, John, we need to do that. Yeah, and, and a lot of these programs that are set up for kids, uh, that's where the predators, you know, hang out. And, you know, one of the most popular ones these days is TikTok. And I, um, so I, was, I saw an interview that they did of TikTok users, real teenagers, and they said, tell me how you would um, rate like a movie, Snapchat, TikTok, um, and Instagram. And most of them said either PG-13, R, or worse. And one of the team commented that, um, and I'm quoting here, this is what she said, gross nudity pictures just show up on my phone. And so even though you might not be looking for trouble or maybe your kid is not looking to, you know, get involved in that kind of stuff, it just shows up. And parents need to be aware of that, that they're, they're just not in control of what happens on the phone when you're, when you're heavily using some of these programs. Yeah, it's not like when we were younger where they could just pick up the other line and listen in and hear what we were talking about. (laughs) It's not like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my philosophy has been that um, if you're paying for the phone, if your kid is under 18, um, you can respect their privacy all you want, but I would go and look at that anyways. And I would tell them that they're going to look at it. and, you know, it, and it, it might not be your kid who's having, uh, you know, say, he, you know, doing things or, or, or looking at inappropriate websites, but a lot of times there's these group chats. And there was an article online I saw last year where the police got involved because a girl was being um, bullied in school because she had sent a a topless picture of herself. This is middle school, by the way. Sent a topless picture to to her boyfriend, and he put it on a group chat with 20 people. 
And by definition, that's child pornography if this kid is 13. And it, the reason why I made the news is because it got on 20 different phones. So even though your, your kid might not have been one of, you know, doing any of this stuff, they could be on this group chat. And, and that technically now your kid has child pornography on their phone. And what's going to happen with that picture? You know, there's lots of ramifications with that, let alone sort of the psychological, emotional distress that I'm sure this teenager felt. But group chats, that's how this stuff goes around like wildfire. That, that's what they mean when this stuff goes viral. It just goes out there so quickly. And, you know, parents need to be aware of that. And my philosophy has always been, sorry, you don't have privacy. I'm going to check your phone. And at this day and age, you've got to be the parent and not the friend. Yeah. Yeah, I know that it was not, it was just starting to get really, really popular, all the computer and the games and everything, when my son was in high school. And um, I always made sure that I had all of their passwords to everything. And they knew that I would look at any time. And and so I was the bead bomb like that. <laughs> and yes. I, I knew, I knew what was going on. I didn't let them have sleepovers. People could come over here. So, um, and they didn't realize where I was coming from with it either because I didn't share that with them at the time. They were just kids. Um, I was like, yeah. just do what I say. But um, my, my son, who's now 24, he he was the one that really started pushing the, you know, boundaries a little bit. He was like, that's the time he turned 16. He could, he figured out how to, you know, intercept the the telephone at the school even so that um, he would get the calls that he was not in class and not me. (laughs) I was just like, okay, this this kid needs to get out of school so that I don't have to worry about this. (laughs) But yeah, he was, he, was, he wasn't that bad of a kid, but he, he did get a little bit of trouble. Um, but today, I see my 10-year-old grandson and, and granddaughter both have access. Actually, my grandson has an actual phone, but my granddaughter just has one of those watches. But um, it's still, they've got their own computer from the school. You know, they were saying, they are required to get on all the time and do all kinds of things on, on their laptop. And um, so, yeah, it's scary. Why don't we go ahead and open up the, the phones here a little bit? What were you going to say there, John? Oh, I, I was just going to say, you know, everybody multitasks on a computer, right? And so even if that, as you said, your, your, your kid is required or, or grandkid is required to have a, a Internet access, and they could have their homework open, but they could have three or four other windows open with Snapchat, TikTok, et cetera, you know, getting distracted with all these other things. And so you know, even if they're you know, doing their homework, there could be all these other, other things going on in the background. Yeah. And not knowing that there's this back room like you're talking about. It's huge. I mean, yeah, we need to know that. We need to be spreading that a little bit more. I wasn't that aware of that. I think maybe I've heard about it before, but I've heard the TikTok. 
to watch out for too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a lot of circumvention um, things that can happen that we could definitely talk about. And but but real quick, I would just suggest that every parent go onto YouTube and type in what to do if you have sneak if you have strict parents and you want to be a sneaky kid. And you will be shocked of how many really? videos they're out there of other teens. Uh, and I have one in the book where it says what, what, do you, what to do if you have strict parents. And it's a girl smoking a bong. She has a, almost a million views on this video. And this is the advanced version of her what to do to get around strict parents. And so, you know, in the old days, if you wanted to be sneaky, you had to be creative or ask a friend. Now you just ask YouTube, Alexa, Siri, et cetera. And I would suggest every parent just go type that into YouTube, and you'll be amazed at what you find. Wow. Yeah, that's good information. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Okay, so let's bring on Philip. Philip is got his hand raised, and... You might have a question. Hold on, can so you John? John, how long can you get an author for? Oh, yeah. Hi, Philip. Yes. Um, so uh, the book we're talking about is my third book, and I've been an author for about three years. I had a professional career prior to this, but have always been interested in writing and and then started writing kind of real stories about real people, and that was the the book about the police officers, and then the people from from the human trafficking perspective. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for answering my question. Wow. It's nice to know some to have a guest who hasn't been a victim of anything like that. Correct. Yeah, I just write about it. I've interviewed a lot of victims. Um, and so sometimes, you know, that's, that's kind of my way of giving the victims a voice is, is, is doing it in this manner. And I've, in the human trafficking book, there's, there's a lot of stories about survivors of that and kind of trying to give them an opportunity to, to tell their story. Someone's talking to you. <laughs> it doesn't want you to talk on the phone. <laughs> well, the dogs are barking. <laughs> like it off the phone. Thank you, Philip. Did you um, have anything else you wanted to ask them? Or? I think that's it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Okay, John. Now we have Lori. Lori, we have you on. Uh, sure. I think what you're doing is very much needed. I'm, you know, I'm glad you're actually out there. You sound like a very concerned parent, and I, I think that has a lot to do with, you know, how much you actually put into it. But um, going back when you were saying that you were, you know, you speak at different places. Are any of those places like schools? You know, they have PTA meetings, like, afterwards. Has anyone invited you to speak about this there or even in the colleges? I mean, I think what you're talking about should be a required course 
to be taken in, in today's world. So that, that's my I, first question. Yeah, so um, I do have some um, involvements with some local schools, but to be honest, I've had a lot of difficulty getting into uh, schools, colleges, and really getting in front of PTA and, and other kind of parent groups. It's been honestly very frustrating and baffling as to why, and usually I just come in for free. I don't, you know, I don't charge unless I have to travel far, but it's, it's been very frustrating for me to how um, it's just very difficult to kind of get, get invited to these types of things, even though I've got a book, I'm doing it for free and, there's a lot of you know good information, but um, I've had a lot of problems uh, getting you know getting um, some of these speaking engagements uh, put together. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Schools are uh, like a lockdown to new information. You know, it's like they're hiding under the sand there. But this is like you said, your kids. You know, you have homework. You're on the computer, and they can go anywhere they want. You know. It should definitely be a course what you're doing, and and you should still continue to do it and try to get in um, even on the computer on some of these sites. Drop a a note like, hey, we're not all you know unaware of what's going on here. You know, you know some of us are watching. You know, all kinds of things like that. Start something uh, like a project up like that. I see you going you know really really far with this. Um, then the next thing I want to say. Um, is about um, social media with the amount of, like, because I'm from the Facebook time, you know, when that, when that came on. And I've been on, yep. I don't know, maybe since 2011, I think. And I ha- I'm the one that really doesn't pay the attention that you are. My, you're, like, describing my son, who's a researcher from when he was a teenager. He won't even go on sites because he doesn't want anybody knowing any of his information, which I thought was great because I didn't have to, you know, go in and, and check on him. So he checks on me and he, he was looking at my Facebook page the other day and he's like, Mom, he says, you, you've got like 5,000 friends on there and then you've got these like 4,000 followers. And he was like literally researching my page and into my groups and, you know, all, he says, well, who are these people? And I I explained to him, I says, you know, I'm a person who, you know, is an artist and most of my people are from art galleries around the country. I said, of course, my biker clubs are there and my pain groups and brain groups. They, they will add up. And though I don't know all of them, I, I know their work, you know, whatever, um, and I keep hitting every time I delete something, I go over to 5,000 and they keep telling me to go through your list, but there's just too many. So they do send people. I've been hacked a lot of times already. And it's to the point where, you know, I have conversation with these hackers, like, you know, take your skills to the next level, you know, go to school, do something better with it, you know, make some real money instead of wasting it here. I'll have, I will just sit and talk to them, and as long as they, you know, do their thing, I'm going to educate them on what I know, 
you know, that they can do, do constructively, you know, like, you know, making something better for for the kids. You know, that, that's where I'm at. I'm a, a child advocate all over Facebook, too. So I get like a mix of so many different people, but still those other ones, wherever they go, and they try to friend request me, and they're like, oh, you have such a pretty smile. Oh, this, hello, I'm this, I'm in the Army, I'm, you know, that kind of stuff where I already know to look out for it. Um, I don't think it will ever stop. I try to ignore most of it. Um, I let other people know what's going on through there. But there's times where I'm sure other people have assumed my identity because my friends had told me all about that and done I don't know what they're doing with it because I'm really not, you know, that popular that I would think anybody's going to do something great with my knowing my name or whatever, but it does happen. And, um, you know, the kids today, they're not going to realize it because they, they're put on the devices. I've seen kids as young as like one and a half, two years old putting on these devices to get to entertain themselves, I guess. I didn't understand it. Um, and, you know, it affects their eyes. You know, they end up needing glasses, like, too early. But they're exposed to it. And everybody doesn't think that the kids know what they're doing because of their age. And they do know. And their friends know. And it goes, they're in their own cycle. You know, yeah, it goes. And they do try to sneak around. Some accidentally find things. You know, I wouldn't want to, if I don't have any grandkids, but I wouldn't want them on there alone. I mean, I would be doing what you were doing with them. But it's it's something that more parents need to know. And it is still upsetting to me that the schools, even the colleges, even making uh, requirements if you're going to be like even a counselor and your any involvement with a kid should have a course on what's happening to them that they might not be telling you on the internet because there's this one little girl that I do know that was bullied on the internet uh, so badly for so long and parents tried you know, to go down to school, they brought the police in and the agencies. Long story short, she spent the last two years of her of her life in a psych ward because she had a breakdown. Now, if she wasn't bullied, if she wasn't um, helped to rule all this kind of stuff out and ignored because she was just a kid, I think she would be running around like any other kid in the world. So... You know, even though I use the technology, I don't think it should be used that much. And I think what you're doing is going to be a good help to the parents or eh, a little bit younger than me that don't know because it wasn't from their generation. So that's what's impressing me about you. Uh, yeah, well, thanks. You know, and, and, and I think that you're right. There's a lot of kids that are very young, you know, they're given an iPad or something at two, three, four years old, and you know we don't we don't talk about those other things. Yeah, as you said, staring at your screen or even that manual dexterity of using your fingers and thumbs. You know, that there has to be a long impact on your body, on your eyes, 
et cetera. And, and I think there was an article that just came out. Um, I think it was a surgeon general who said that um, he felt that anyone under 13 should not be on social media at all. And that's their policies, a lot of these places, but they don't verify it. You just have to click a box and say, yeah, I'm, I'm 13 or, or above. And I thought that was really good to come out and say that, you know, a lot of kids are not mature enough to be on social media. The Surgeon General went on to say that they don't recommend having any internet presence for any person under two years old. And when I read that, I go, two? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Why would you have your two-year-old? But it, it does happen, and that's, you know, that's kind of the world we live in. Yeah, it's dangerous. Yeah, that's exactly what my two-year-old. Yeah, that's what my two-year-old grandson got for Christmas. Was his own little iPad, so that he can watch movies on it. And I just went, okay. You know, I think that they've got they've got some kind of parental step on that one for sure. There's only like Disney that or something that he can get on, but still, even that, I mean, you don't know who can. Get on there. Well, 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 yeah, you know, there was a, um, I, I saw a, uh, an article about how there was this program called Roblox, which is a, uh, which is, which is a kid's game. And from everyone says it's a very appropriate game for kids eight to 10 years old. But if you go on the Roblox site, it advertises itself as play this game with millions of people worldwide. And, Make a long story short, somebody, you know, got a hold of that kid in the chat room uh, after they'd been playing for a couple of months and just started grooming them. And so, you know, part of it is you definitely want to moderate the amount of time that your kid is, is, is online. But then it goes back to, yeah, they might be on an appropriate game, but what's behind the game? What, what's going on in these group chats? Because they're advertising play with anyone worldwide, which means anyone, anywhere could be a predator, you know, trying to get a hold of your kid, even if it's for something else like identity theft, that's bad enough, let alone if it gets into a sexual exploitation situation. Yeah. Yeah, it's scary. And I know that I was um, at some relative's house last year in Arkansas and um, my cousin who I was staying with has a has son who's 15 and um, one night there was a bunch of people over they were having this you know little get together and um, some of the teenagers were in you know the teenagers room and they were laughing and having a good time and my cousin went in there and um, he was like hi what y'all been doing and the whoever was on the, the computer monitor, um, you know, looked over at the 15-year-old and said, oh, who's that old person standing in the door? And I, I, when I heard about it, she came out of the room and she's like, oh, yeah, they're talking to somebody in a different country. And I was just like, and you're letting him just talk to her? Like, oh, yeah, they can't right. hurt him. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Okay, take a deep breath, Kim, because it's not your child. <laughs> but still, I wanted to try and say something, but there was just, you know, they, that 
it's just the way that they are. I mean, he's always on there, I guess, with strangers, and it scares me to death. <laughs> but well, true. yeah, I've got a I've got a story that fits right into that for you. Uh, and you know, a lot of times people think that um, that these predators are only targeting girls online, and and that's not mm-hmm. and that's not true at all. Um, so I interviewed a um, a police officer who he goes on he goes undercover online uh, with with these undercover profiles, and I was asking, well, what do you want parents to know? Tell me about something that most parents don't know, and tell me a a story of an example of how a predator has a tactic. And, and he said the, what's been happening the last couple of years is they're, they're targeting teenage boys. And what they do is they set up a fake profile of a very attractive, older, say, college-age girl, woman, and... Uh, and they probably have downloaded this from a pornography website or something like that. And so this girl approaches the teenage boy, sends some kind of nude photo of herself, and says, well, I've sent you this stuff. Now you send me. I've shown you. You show me. And he sends a picture of himself and then immediately gets extorted. And they want money. And they say... If you don't pay me, I'm going to blast it all over your social network. And of course, if if they've already gotten, um, you know, if they're already linked into your uh, Snapchat or Instagram or whatever, they can see all your friends. They can see all all the people that you have contacts with. And so that happens all the time. And I talked to a different police officer who said that. That whole thing of being approached, sending pictures, getting extorted, all happened within 24 hours. So it can be very, very fast. And, you know, especially if they're posing as some, you know, attractive older woman, um, they're going to be tricked. And unfortunately, that happens all the time. There was, there was an article that just came out. I saw on the on, on Yahoo page just today about that exact same thing, and the blackmailer sent it to 500 different people. And um, anyway, you can imagine the impact of the emotional, psychological stress, et cetera, impact to that teenager. But boys are not immune. So if you think you're safe because right. you have sons, think again. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's the same thing as, you know, the sexual abuse, you know, the whole um, contact even. People don't think that, that boys would have to be raped. And, like, no, that's not as common as girls, but, yeah, it happens. And, um, yeah, it's hard for me now that I've become so, so much more aware just within the last six years or seven years or so. And um, started teaching. I teach the Darkness to Light, Stewards of Children. Have you ever heard of them? Yes, I think I have. Yeah. 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 So, um, and I was going to say earlier when Lori was talking, it is, it's even hard for me. And I said, like you were saying, 
I do it for free because we have some grant money, so I can go out and deliver these classes for free. And it's still hard to get into the schools. I was able to a couple of them, but it didn't go very far. You know, they didn't really share it a whole lot. And they're supposed to be. Schools are supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, you would think that they would want to bring this knowledge into the classroom with the parents, um, and it, uh, it it seems like it's it's a lot harder than it should be. Yeah, I know that um, there were times that I would try and use um, Aaron's law. I'm sure you're familiar with Aaron's law, aren't you? Aaron Marin? Um, yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah, but that doesn't really do a whole lot. I mean, so it was passed in Colorado in 2015. However, you know, schools are able to say, okay, we've got this, you know, 20-minute puppet show that comes in and um, educates the kids on body safety, and that's right. good enough. That's all we need. Where really it needs to be, as we advocate, the parents. It needs to be the adults that are taught the skills to be able to watch out for children. Because we we need to take that back from kids. It should have never been given to the kids that it's their responsibility to tell. Because they don't even know most. They don't know what's happening. And or they love the person and they don't want to hurt them. And, I mean, it's just, well, especially if it's a family member or a neighbor, somebody they know or maybe trust, then yeah, you know that adds a different dynamic than if it's just a stranger. When when you've got that familiarity, if it's a family member, especially, yeah. then it becomes this very um, you know difficult for them to communicate situation, and a lot of times you know, the predator is going to say, keep a secret, I'm, you know, I'm going to hurt you, or you're going to be ashamed of this if it gets out. And so they really try to manipulate them psychologically. Do you know any statistics on, like, kids that are more prone to falling for these online you know, human traffickers that are trying to get a hold of them. Um, do a lot of them have a past of sexual abuse or assault? Or do you know? Yeah, I mean, for for human trafficking specifically, um, if someone has been sexually abused in the past, they're four times more likely to also be exploited in a trafficking situation compared to the average population. So they're already in a vulnerable group. Um, I don't have the specific numbers, but from my research, if you look at um, especially kids that have been lost in the foster system, um, they're more vulnerable. Any kind of teen runaway situation, very vulnerable. And you know, anyone uh, who's potentially coming from, say, a, a, in a dysfunctional family 
where maybe the parent is addicted to drugs, something like that. They're left unsupervised. They go online. They're looking for affirmation. They're, they're looking for even just a friend, and they can get exploited that way because they're not getting the, the proper attention and love in their own household. Yeah, I could imagine. I mean, I ran away when I was 16, 17. And I think back and look at all of the situations that I was in during that time frame that I was gone, which was about three months. And um, and I went to a different state. I went to Florida with my boyfriend. And, yeah, I mean, I could have easily fallen into something really bad. Yeah, one of the stats that – yeah, there's stats out there about that in today's world, if a runaway is by by himself or herself, they're typically approached by a human trafficker within 48 hours. And so Mm. it's very quick. You know, most of the times when teenagers are running away, they're not staying at the Hilton, right? They're they're not going to the Ritz-Carlton – and, and having a good time, they're out there many times with not a lot of money. They're running away from something, so they think running away is going to be better than whatever they came from. And that's what, you know, a, immediately a predator is going to pick up on. They're going to say, hey, you need a place to stay tonight. You need some food, something like that. And if if you're desperate, you might say yes to that, and that can – obviously lead to a lot of problems um, when when that person isn't really looking out for your best interest and, and turns out to be, you know, a trafficker or somebody like that. Yeah, it's pretty scary. Yeah, we had gone downtown to try and hawk my flute. And I think the guy at the pawn shop just looked at us like, yeah, no, come back when you're old enough. <laughs> and I had, yeah, I had tried to change my gift, my birth certificate, so that I looked older. And yeah, nobody was buying it. It was not. But we did make it to Florida eventually. <laughs> so, oh gosh. So, um, yeah, is Balaki? I was going to ask if you had anything else that you wanted to say. Thank you, Kim. Well, I just want to say, John, this has just been so informative. I've learned a lot, and I really wish to thank you for that. Um, I know that Kim's going to give more information on your book and the titles and how to, you know, get a hold of you and get a hold of your books. But um, one suggestion I had, I don't know if you've worked with the National Charity League or the National League for Young Men. You've heard of those organizations? Um, uh, no, you had said the National okay. League for Young Men. Yeah, so there's two organizations. So the National Charity League is a national, um, uh, you know, within our country organization um, for young girls and their mothers. And it's, uh, I believe, uh, it's either seventh grade when the girls, um, any girls and their mothers that wish to join, um, that's the age, or if it's in, if it's ninth grade, I think it's seventh grade. Um, and it's, you know, like I said, I mentioned, it's a philanthropic organization um, for mothers and daughters, and there are local chapters all across the country, and they focus on etiquette, 
um, service. Um, and uh, let's see here. So etiquette, community service, and just basically, you know, um, any information that would be, you know, relevant um, to um, being, you know, pervy to in this uh, day and age. So, um, and the Nationally Free Young Men is kind of the um, boy and mom national group. So they're kind of brother sister groups. I was actually in National Cherry League when I was in. Uh, they started Tapper um, in the Bay Area where I lived when I was um, entering my freshman year of high school. And my sons, um, because I had such a great experience, they all um, they were members of the National League, uh, the National League for Young Men. Um, and the reason I ask you is because um, your information is the kind of information that they look and they seek out to either have privately at the mother's meetings where they have, we have a guest speaker that speaks on topics like this or to the young men or young women as well. So um, I know a long explanation of what these are, but they're, they're you know, this is a national, so if you look it up, I think National Charity League or NCL, you'll see um, what that organization is all about nationally. And then you can go and, you know, by state and area and find the individual chapters. And then the men's is the National League for Young Men. And you'll be able to get a little bit more information. But I would definitely think, I mean, my kids are now in college, so I'm a sustainer in these organizations. But this is the kind of information that they want, they seek out, and they, you know, they they want to bring to their uh, local chapters. So I would say if you have, you know, you can make a connection in that area. But I would definitely think this is something that they want to know about. Uh, yeah, I've, I've written them down, and I will, I will absolutely contact them. They sound exactly like the kind of organization that, that I'd like to work with and, and partner with. Uh, so, yes, I will, I will definitely seek them out tomorrow. Great. Per- great. Thank you. So, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just absorbing it like a sponge and uh, so appreciative of everything that you've done, as I said. And um, I'll, uh, I'll let the other panels, I'm sure they will have other questions or comments for you, but... Um, I'm very, I'm just so appreciative to you, you know, that you've been here tonight. So what a great, it's already been a great show. I know we've got some time to go, but I'm just wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you, Penelope. Can we see if maybe Philip has another question, or were you going to say something else, John? Uh, no, if there's people with questions, I'd like to address that. Uh, there are a few things I'd like to cover as well, but let's let's go to any of the callers. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Let's see. Um, I don't have hey, any more Philip, questions. You're back for you. on. I don't have any more questions for you. No, nothing. Nothing right now. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Thanks, Philip. I have a question. Yes, me. I have a question. With all that you're gaining in knowledge and all the stuff that you're doing now to find out your information, where do you think things are going to be in like a year from now? Like, do you have a prediction of what it is that you want implemented? Um, you know, and definitely, you know, shared, like a. Like, basically, maybe you could do, like, a course, make up a course or something. But that's what I'm wondering. Where do you see yourself in about a year with this, with what you're doing? 
Sure. So I, you know, I'm 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 focused on trying to uh, get the word out, get in front of as as many different groups as I can. Um, I'm also working on my fourth book, so I'm I'm actively writing that as well. And you know, if, if you think about it, when it comes to these predators and what's going on line, what's happening there, you know, you can't rely on technology to save us, politicians, laws, or something like that. It, it's going to come down to the diligent, conscientious parent um, that really has to be involved. And I, I guess that's the simplest way to put it and to be diligent about this stuff. But for myself, I'm, I'm trying, I've talked to a lot of different places, college campuses, um, haven't got as far as I would like. I, I, I get a lot of closed doors, unfortunately. But um, I'm pressing on and I'm continuing to write, so um, I plan to be kind of out there uh, as much as I can um, in the foreseeable future. That's a good thing. And you know of other people who are doing this too? Because this is like a very important thing and needs to be spread around uh, because of so many people. You know, I mean, are you able to put maybe an organization together um, doing what you're doing, you know, the information that you get, having other people um, speak in their communities about it? Because yeah, I, I think, oh, I'm sorry, I was just say I think what you're doing is a necessary thing to do, and um, it should go further. You know, I want to see it you know, really like out in the world where everybody knows who you are, what you're doing, and what they need to do. So that's where I'm headed. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I try to partner with as many people as possible. And my approach is, I would say, the very common sense parent type of approach. So I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I don't write legislative law, you know, I'm not a politician. And so, you know, there's other kinds of people trying to do those kinds of things where I, I'm trying to just represent that average parent, average citizen out there who's, you know, not an expert on this stuff, but wants to know about what's going on. And, um, and so that's what I'm trying to do in, in, um, just trying to do the best that I can. Sometimes I feel like I, you know, I'm a, kind of a lone voice out there. I, I, I can't tell you how many school districts I've contacted and how many I've gotten closed doors, unfortunately. But, um, you know, yeah. I keep pressing on. I, I do partner. I'm on the board of directors of an anti-human trafficking nonprofit um, in the county where I live. And so I'm trying to impact locally, but I sure would like to move to a state level and even in, you know, broader than that national level. Um, but it's just, I guess I just got to start local and that's what I'm doing. No, that's good to hear. That's good to hear from me. That's what I wanted to hear. You, you are going to do it. I mean, I'll predict your future right now. Um, <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, this may, maybe this is uh like this start, you know, I mean, you've done a lot already. I mean, you've got a good package to come across with. I mean, you don't need a degree uh, to know what you do because you're doing the groundwork, you know, by yourself. And 
there's so many people out there that are lost, like even in Congress, they don't know what's going on. So people like what you're doing, people like you are the ones that need to spend time with those people. You know, even the superintendent of schools, you know, each individual school's got their own principal, so it's a matter of, you know, hitting the right person. That's what happened with what I was involved with, hitting the right person. But I see you going higher up, definitely, you know, doing something like more into the political world because that's the way they spread things around, you know, that's how it goes in this world. But you're doing good. You're doing good. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate you rooting for me. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll root. Definitely root. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, John, I'd like to. I'd like to talk to you. Maybe we'll chat afterward or another time. And um, sure, maybe there is a way that I could even have your books when I'm not doing my classes. I could have them available or something like that. Um, that yeah, we should definitely have a a separate conversation uh, about that. Yeah. So go ahead and tell us then um, what is coming up. You said you're writing the fourth book, and then we also need to know how to get a hold of you. So we're, we've only got about 20 minutes left, and um, it's kind of so fast. But we want to hear everything that you're doing and, and your plans. So go ahead, tell us that. <laughs> sure. So, um, so I'm, I'm keeping with a serious theme, and so I'm working on a new book that is going to focus on the people who fight uh, evil. And so, uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of choices out there of what evil direction I can go in to write about. But my first chapter that I've finished on this book is, I I mentioned earlier, I interviewed a uh, police officer who goes online posing as a 13-year-old girl and goes and arrests guys at the motel and I've got all of his stories in his 80-page chapter. So I think viewers are going to find it really interesting and, and kind of learn a lot of stuff without even realizing it when they read the storyline. So hopefully by the end of the summer, this, I'll have my other chapters finished and we can talk again. Yeah, I'll absolutely would love to have you on any time. Because you're now a part of the Nesta family and we... Let's hear from you anytime, Johnny. So you let well, us know. I, I, yeah, yeah. Ready to do that. <laughs> yeah, definitely appreciate that. And and so yeah, if people want to, you know, get this this uh, thirty page booklet. It's six dollars. It's the best investment you'll ever make. And you can get it on Amazon. It comes in Kindle or a print version. Um, and then I have my own website where you can contact me. And that website is www.itisnotabout.com, and I think my email is even on the Amazon site as well, so I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. So just itisnotabout.com. Correct. And that's um, all of your books are on Amazon, or are you just talking about this, this one? All, all the books are on Amazon. Yes, yeah, they're all on Amazon in, in all the formats. Um, so that's a pretty easy place to uh, to get it. Uh, the trafficking book is the only book that's on audio, but 
I thought that came out really well. So if, if you if you like audio books, uh, I suggest to check that out. Yeah, that's kind of my my reading <laughs> audio books. And yeah, some people else. like that or Kindle. It, yeah, it just all depends. So, um, but yeah, the, the 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 safety guide for parents, six dollar, kind of a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, so tell us a little bit more about what's in there. Yeah, so a lot of the stuff we've talked about, yeah, a lot of it we, we've talked about tonight, and it, it kind of goes through uh, what that predator playbook is, you know, how do they target, what are they looking for, um, and then some of the real tactics that they're using. I also go in there um, – and talk about warning signs for, for possibly being groomed. And then, um, and then I, I do talk a little bit about this uh, interview with this undercover police officer and then go into that social media, parent tips, you know, how to protect your kid. And, um, and then I kind of end it with this, um, I would say, cultural influence issue um, which is about the impact of, of pornography on on a typical teenager. And, and we could talk about that if, if, if you'd like. Yeah. Okay. You, you know, so a lot of times I, when I have these talks and I, and, and I um, do these presentations, and I mentioned earlier about this, you know, teenager who had sent a picture and it got sent out to 20 people in a group chat. And people always ask, why does somebody do that? And why are they sending pictures, you know, of themselves when they're in middle school or something like that? And so I started really thinking about that and looking, researching kind of what's going on there. And so what I'd like to do is kind of tell you what I found and, um, and it kind of, again, explains some of that behavior. So it really starts with the trend on uh, pornography where it's really viewed at a younger age than ever before. And a lot of, um, a lot of stats are saying that the average age is about 10 years old, which is pretty young. Um, sometimes it's on accident. Sometimes it's on purpose. And a lot of psychologists are saying that when you're viewing that at 10 years old, it really kind of rewires your brain a little bit. And what that leads to is it, it gives that person a sense that creating explicit content is normal. And so then you get into a situation like middle school or high school, and the stats out there are something like um, – 90% of all high school kids have either sent or received some kind of explicit photo. It's, it's huge, and it's not that far behind in middle school. And so sending, receiving content from your peers then becomes normal. It's normalizing that. So when, a, when somebody asks, hey, will you send me a picture, you know, another, uh, an eighth grader asks another eighth grader, well, it doesn't seem so out of the ordinary because that's what they've seen. And 
you know, I like to quote this uh, pop star named Billie Eilish, who I couldn't tell you a song she sang if my life depended on it, but she's very popular with teenagers. And she's quoted as saying that she was watching pornography at age 11. And this is a celebrity out there who's, you know, kind of admitting this. So, you know, this is happening. And so what does that kind of feed you know, a person's attitude and outlook. Well, you know, if you think about pornography, you, you're seeing bodies, not real people. It's feeding a hookup culture. It's making sex more transactional. You know, forget about love, marriage, intimacy. All those things are kind of devalued. It blurs the lines of consent. And so, so then that is all impacting this you know, the average teenager. And so if you're, you know, if you're, have sent something and we talked about cyberbullying, extortion, that can lead to depression and, you know, even suicide, things like that. And so how does that, if you step back, how does that benefit the predator, not just the teenager who wants his girlfriend to send him the picture? Well, this is how it benefits the predator, is when the predator approaches that teenager to send pictures to a stranger, if they've been conditioned and normalized in this kind of new pornography world we live in, it doesn't seem strange that a stranger has asked for content. And that's kind of the conclusion that I came to. And of course, that's a big problem. Oh, yeah. I, I can't imagine that either. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Why would you send something like that over the internet? But you're right. It's so normalized. That's what the kids do. That's just what they do now. Great. Yeah, and it's um, really in, it's it's emboldening the predators, right? Because they it's easier for them to get access, and you know that's. They then in their minds they think that well you know everybody else is doing it so why can't I type of attitude which of course is wrong but that's how they're thinking that's how they're twisting their logic. Well, they're kids. <laughs> yeah. Penelope, were you going to say something? Oh yeah, I'm sorry, and I didn't want to interject, but John, I just went and I ordered your book. Um, not about the predator for my sister and on Amazon it was super simple by the way just put in the title of the book and it showed up on Amazon and very it was fine 95 awesome and then my sister <laughs> in Dallas because she's got um, a 10 year old and um, a 13 year old and a 15 year old and I she's going to really um, be I think very appreciative of the information so thank you for that yeah, thank you. You're, you're welcome. Yeah, that's a great, great idea, Penelope. I get some from her. I've been known to get my daughter's books on <laughs> stuff like that. I don't know if they appreciate yeah. it or even read it, but you know, you never know. <laughs> it can't hurt. Yeah, I think yeah. that um, I think to some degree, you're, yeah, my sister. I think she will. Um, okay. She will, and she actually used to be the anchor on the um, ABC News in Dallas, and so she's just so connected there, and I'll, I'm sure she'll, you know, tell them about it. And, you know, you just, um, that is, you know, 
I, I sent it to her because I think it's a great resource for her. But I, you know, this is the kind of thing that needs to get some, you know, push into the mainstream to get some attention to it. And I think that she might be able to help out with that as well. Um, because, you know, I think, yeah. uh, I think parents also, you know, the fact that you've had such a hard time getting into the schools and, and things like that is, um, I think a lot of parents too with these really difficult subjects just like to bury their heads in the sand and sit as administration sometimes. It's not, you know, these are not popular things to talk about. Um, and, uh, but we need to. Anyway, so just want, didn't mean to interject, but I did want to let you know that it's super simple to order your book. Yeah, you know, I think you said something really interesting where I think people are, don't want to talk about it. And, um, and, and so you, you've, you know, there's a lot of other controversy, school curriculum, stuff like that. I, I don't know, maybe they're focused on that kind of stuff. Um, but every time I've gone to um, a, a venue and have done this presentation and I go through, you know, typically it's like a whole series of slides for an, for an hour and there's always a bunch of parts that surprise the parents that they didn't you know they didn't realize that and so again even if you're even if you work and you use a lot of technology you know you might be really savvy with powerpoint or excel or salesforce.com you know business programs but the kids are savvy with social media those kinds of programs. And that's a totally different skill set than the average adult has unless you've grown up with it, right? And you were talking about two-year-olds, five-year-olds, you know, being online. You grow up with that, it's like second nature. And that's just, it's hard for, you know, anyone older than 20 to kind of really uh, appreciate that. But that's what's really happening. They're grown up with it. They're comfortable with it. You know, the old joke is is that, oh, your phone's broke? Go ask a 10-year-old. They'll fix it in two minutes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just sitting here nodding my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was too. I was like, I'm on mute, but I'm trying to get it off. Yeah. Absolutely. So how else? I know that, um, so Penelope told us that you're on Amazon, and you told us you were on Amazon. How else can people connect with you? Just by your website? Is that the best way? Or are you on Facebook? Yeah, um, I am on Facebook. If you look up my name, John DiGirolamo-Author, I am on Facebook. Um, at my website, there's a contact uh, me form. My email is, on, is, is also, I think, in the bio on Amazon. And it's John D. The author at gmail. Uh, dot com. About any of those places, somebody can can um, can contact me, and um, it, you know, for anything, whether it's to come and talk to their school or just feedback about you know the books. I I, I do get email um, frequently from people who you know have read the book and and have some usually good things to say. So if they say something bad, I delete it right away. <laughs> you've had that stuff off of there. Um, you know what? I just looked up on Facebook and we're friends. So you've come across across at some point my feed and you're already Facebook. So. 
nice to finally meet your voice. <laughs> Maybe someday we can meet meet again. Um, yeah, so what else do you want to leave us with? We've got just a few more minutes left tonight. So what words of wisdom can you leave us with? Yeah, I, I think the one thing that um, – that, that I do get asked about is, well, what do you do if it's your teen that sent the picture or something like that? What do you do? And so what, what, what kind of the recommendation is, the first thing is don't panic. Um, tell your kid that you're going to get through this. You're going to do it together. You know, the, whoever it is, whether it's a bully at school or a predator that you don't know, they're counting on your embarrassment. And so the first thing you want to do is block that person, change your password, and whatever you do, don't pay any extortion. I've heard from police officers that even if you do pay, they send your picture around anyways. And most schools have a school resource officer who's attached to a police department, and you should contact them. because again, if it's somebody underage, that's by definition child pornography. So they can go and pursue people who are um, trying to exploit your kid. Now, if they're in a different country, it's going to be much harder. But I talked to a police officer who said that they were investigating a case of somebody who had paid, and then the person came back, you know, the next day. Oh, you paid me 500 bucks. Well, guess what? You need to pay me another 500 dollars. And that person went to the police, the police did an investigation, and the payment was made on Venmo, which is a very popular money transfer program like PayPal, for example. Well, Venmo is a company that you can go and find, you know, find out what that account um, and the details are. And on this person's account that he had paid were all these other people that were got extorted. And a lot of times if you make a payment, you can put in the comment section. People were literally putting in the comment section, I'm paying for extortion, literally putting on there. And it was multi-state. This, this person was like a thousand miles away from the initial police officer's investigation and they handed it over to the FBI, et cetera. And so they can track these guys down and if they use a program like Venmo, PayPal, et cetera, they may be very easily electronically traced. And, um, and so they, you know, this, this case at least had, uh, you know, an outcome where they could go catch the guy as opposed to a foreign country. But just amazing that people were putting in the comment section, I'm paying for extortion. It was just, just amazing. So that's my recommendation. Go to your police and let them know because they can open up a case and see what's going on. Yeah. And they, they've got some resources that can dig into these secret rooms and things like that. And maybe it's already on their radar. So maybe they're just waiting for, you know, some more confirmation from somebody. Well, yeah, they need somebody to come forward, right? They need somebody to say, here's, here's the evidence, because there could be text messages, there could be all kinds of, you know, electronic um, footprints and chat rooms that they can use to, to build a case. 
It doesn't seem real smart, though, does it? But I, I guess criminals aren't always very smart. <laughs> right, know, yeah. Um, yeah, it, you know, that's, you know, that, that was just one example. You know, I'm sure others are more savvy, but uh, I can guarantee you that a lot of them, they're counting on that person's embarrassment and to keep quiet. Yeah. But this and person only went to the I police. Found out. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, yeah, this person went to the police only because they got extorted the second time by the same person the next day. So if they had paid once, they probably would have never went to the police. But because the person kept asking for extortion money again, they went to the police. So they were obviously too greedy. Well, they usually are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think one other thing that I was just going to say is um, I've noticed there, I, can, I just kind of get a sense if somebody is trying to friend request me because I get, you know, 20 a day or something too, just from being on this show. But um, so go back and look at whatever profile, you know, they're, they're sending it in. So if it's in Facebook, go look at their pictures and go down to the, as far as you can at the bottom and see when they started. And a lot of times they started within a day or so. And they've got like 20 pictures up there. And so, you know, that's another way that you can just kind of tell. It's just a little. Yeah, big red flag. Something I found out. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big red flag. Well, thank you so much again, John. We just really appreciate you for being here and all of your knowledge and research that you're continuing to do because you're keeping our kids safe. We really appreciate that. Well, thank you, Kim. Thank you, Penelope. I really am glad to have spent this time with you and great discussion, and thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. Thank you to Philip and Lori as well. Good night, everybody. Bye. And if you remember, if you see something, please say something. We all have that obligation as adults. Have a good evening, everybody. Thanks, John. Good night. All right. Thanks, you too. All right.